All right. Hello, everybody. This is Tim Blanchett with Divorce661.com. Today we're talking about mistakes to avoid when going through the divorce process in California. Let me just switch our screens here. Okay. Hey, everybody. My name is Tim Blankenship, Divorce661.com, specializing in California divorce. And uh, in California, amicable California divorce cases. I'm a legal document assistant that's been doing this since 2012. We're going to be talking about today kind of all the things that I've come across during the week that uh, people have called and had issues with their divorce, called us for help, called us to take over their divorce case uh, for them, and just talk about some of these issues to hopefully help you not have these same problems. Um, I have a bunch of things to talk about. Uh, Again, these topics that have uh, gone over, we're also going to be answering your questions. So if you're watching this live, uh, feel free to ask your questions in the chat. I'll be taking a look, watching the comments. Feel free to yell at me if I miss uh, some comments. Um, Sometimes I forget to take a look at the comment section because there's a lot going on on this and doing it by myself. And also, as a legal document preparer slash legal document assistant in California, we are unable to give legal advice. So we'll, the the help that I can give you today if you are reaching out to us live is, um, give me one second here, is um, about forms help. Helping you guys with the forms if you got stuck with your paperwork, if you are having trouble getting your judgment through, if you happen to get me on this live uh, preview or video rather, uh, feel free to ask your questions and I'll do my best to help you out for free. If you're watching this on the replay, I will go back in and put the timestamps in so you don't have to watch the entire segment. You can look at the uh, timestamps and I will put in a description of what we're talking about at various points in the show. Okay, so let's get into some of the issues. And during the week, we have people call, a lot of them become clients, some of them don't. Uh, but they're looking for help with their divorce. They've started it on their own. Uh, they've ran into trouble. And we're talking about different various courts as we do work all courts, work with all courts in California. So these are with different courts. The, the process with divorce is the same throughout California. Most of the forms are identical. The process is identical. However, with some of the courts, they can be a little bit more challenging. They have certain clerks or judges that want things done a certain way with their particular courtroom. Um, And I'll be addressing some of those today as well. So let's get into some of the topics. Again, if you have any questions as you're watching this, feel free to ask away. And even on the replay, if uh, you're watching this and you have questions, enter them into the chat or if you're on YouTube and and make a comment and I will make sure to answer that question for you. Okay, so let me just take a look at what we have here. So we're talking about filing default judgments when in agreement because you think a response is necessary. Okay, so one of the questions that came in this week and someone who became a client of ours is in filing a default judgment. So a default means the respondent did not file a response. Now, there's two types of defaults. There's default with agreement and default without an agreement. So in this particular case, they tried to submit a default without an agreement to court even though they agreed because they thought that a response had to be filed in order to submit a settlement agreement to court and thus have to pay the $435 fee. That is not the case. With a default with written agreement, you can submit a full marital settlement agreement to court without paying, without the respondent having to pay a filing fee. So they were trying to avoid the filing fee and therefore filing a default without an agreement. 
And those are the toughest cases to get through the court. Default with written agreement is a tough or without agreement is the toughest case to get through the court because everything defaults back to with the laws of the court versus you having an agreement. So they're very challenging. We don't even like to take them. And you know, I talk about this all the time. So the fix for this person was who became clients of ours was all we have to do is turn around and re-prepare their paperwork and submit the judgment as a default with a written agreement and it'll go right through the court. So do not do defaults without an agreement unless it's a last resort, meaning your 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 uh, spouse will not cooperate or participate and you have no other choice but going through the default route. Okay, next subject. So I had a call where the client says, and if, in my consultations with folks, one of the questions that I always ask is, are you and your spouse cooperative? Are you and your spouse in agreement, et cetera? So sometimes the answer is yes, we're cooperative or yes, we're in agreement, but my spouse isn't going to participate and they aren't going to do anything. And that is going to fall back to what we just about be a true default case, a default without a written agreement. Again, the most difficult and challenging uh, type of divorce cases to get through the court. The only time a true default case is simple to get through the court is if there's no assets, no debts, no children, and a marriage of less than 10 years, then you can get a default divorce through the court if you file the petition the right way, because there's a special way you have to do it to make sure that that goes through as a true default, no agreement type case. But where one spouse will not participate, but they're not fighting it, they might as well, I would tell clients, it's better for you to have your spouse fight you in the divorce and file a response and go to court and go to trial than trying to push through a default judgment. That's how tricky they are. So I would encourage your, your spouse to file a response so you can get into court because you can't get a court date and bring your spouse in unless they've actually responded. Okay, taking a look at the next question that we had that came in. Okay, so this was in regards to how to remove your spouse from your home when going through a divorce. So there's different ways you can do this. And some are some take care of it entirely and some uh, take care of it just off the deed. So what's going on right now is people want to keep their house, let's say, but they don't want to refinance because they may have a three or 4% interest rate and to refinance and cash out their spouse is going to put them into the six or 7% interest rate. So they, they're not wanting to do that. So they say, well, Tim, what else, what other options do I have for taking my spouse off the, off the house? Well, the only other way thing you can do is to remove them from the deed. But the problem with that is they're still on the loan, number one, which is going to prevent them from going out and buying another property because it's going to show up on their, on their credit report. But number two, unless you refinance, then you cannot, how are you going to, how are you going to buy out your spouse at all in the first place. So that becomes the issue. We do have some clients that for that reason are keeping their home together. So they're going through the divorce. Um, in fact, we just finalized a case a few weeks ago that they did this. And the only reason they're keeping the house is because they want to let the property um, go up in value, hopefully, or interest rates come down to a point where they can either one, refinance it or two, sell it at a better profit. We also had some clients, and this was interesting, they recently bought a house and they're still within that two-year mark. So they have to live in the home for two years, otherwise you have capital gains tax. So even though we are they are filing for divorce, they are planning on selling the house in the future. I believe it's going to be about a year and a half from now because they want to wait until that capital gains tax will not apply to them having been in the house for two years, and that's fine. 
keep in mind when you're going through an amicable divorce, you guys get to make all these types of different decisions. No one else is going to make them for you. And that kind of leads me into one of my next subjects is people often ask, do we have to, you know, what is the court? Here's how the question come in. Here's how the question comes in. What will the court say about our agreement if we do not have equal division of our community property? The answer is nothing. The court does not get involved in the division of your assets and debts if you guys have a full written agreement on all terms. They're not going to look to see if it's equal or if the values are equal. They're not going to call you into court to discuss that. If you have a full settlement agreement on all issues, you can divide up your property however you want. You can keep all the assets and, you, and your spouse can keep all the debts and the court won't care. Okay, let's see what else we had come in. I have a bunch of notes and lots to talk about. And again, any questions that come up, feel free to ask in the chat and I will see if I can get those uh, to, uh, get those answers out to you. Okay, so the next thing that came in, okay. So a note says, court giving wrong information to dismiss a divorce case simply because it is old. So we had a call come in from a client. And when I say client, they are coming in as consultations and then they become clients. Um, they, they were trying to do their own divorce and they had a 15 year old case uh, might have been 18 years old, so a very old case. They went down to the Stanley Moss Courthouse, and when a case is that old, it's not. It's going to be in archives. It's going to be. I used to work there uh, at Stanley Moss. They have uh, in the uh, basement. They have um, all of the archived files, and depending on how old it is, it might even be just on microfish versus actual copies of your case. I've had to uh, pull the microfish before, way back when when I first started doing this. But anyways, if you have an older case that is open you can continue on and finalize that case, even though it's beyond the five years. We had th this particular uh, client, they had went to court, said, talk to the clerk, and they said, yes, your case is still open, but we recommend that you dismiss that case and start a new case. That is absolutely the wrong information. You can finalize an open case. Now, what will happen sometimes is you will go to finalize your judgment. I've had this personal experience several times. An open case, 5, 10, 20, 30-year-old case, we've done them all, and we have submitted the, you know, reactivated the case, submitted the judgment, and the court rejects the judgment saying, oops, you're beyond the five-year maximum uh, in finalizing your case, um, you know, file the appropriate motion or dismiss the case. All that means in their fancy language is that there is a stipulation you can file that says both the petitioner and respondent can agree to uh, both you and the petition. So sorry, petitioner and respondent agree in a stipulation to continue prosecuting the case beyond five years. You sign it. There's a $20 filing fee. And now you can submit your judgment. Had this person listened to the advice of the clerk and dismissed the case, they had to start all over, first of all, but then pay another court fee. Uh, to the court to start a brand new case. So definitely bad information, wrong information. And we were able to wrap up their case on the old case by filing a stipulation to prosecute beyond the five years. All right, let's see what is next here. All right. So we had already talked about the um, how to divide your community property. Um, so we're not going to go over that again. Okay, so someone, we have a client that wanted to get their divorce completed as fast as possible. So I'm going to give you a procedural tactic. If you want to get your divorce approved by the court as fast as you can, this is what you do. File the petition, get a case number. Right behind that, file the response. Right behind that, file your judgment. How does that work? So in a normal divorce case, now we're talking amicable divorce cases where I'm, I'm handling your case, I'm filing your paperwork, 
and you're, you don't have separate attorneys, that's obviously not going to be the case, not going to be a fast divorce. But what we do is because of the normal way of doing things, there's that, that whole waiting period um, once, once someone has been served. So let's say we filed a petition, serve the other party, and we do that by notice of acknowledgement, by the way. We don't do that by personal service. But that's what starts the clock on the 30 days if it's personally served or 40 days if done by notice uh, of acknowledgement, uh, a receipt of acknowledgement, sorry. So when that happens, you cannot submit the the settlement agreement and all your final judgment paperwork until that amount of time has passed. Then you, the clock is still t- ticking on the six months, and it's still going to be six months in either case. But if you want to get your divorce decree approved by the court fast, this is how you do it. You, we would file, and this is what we're doing this week, file the petition, got a case number issued. You don't need to file a response or you don't need to have it served because the response takes the place of the proof of service. So day one, file a petition, get a case number. And that same day, if it's electronically filed like through Los Angeles County, we can file the response right behind it. And then the very next day, we, if the parties got us their agreement and we finalized their judgment and they got notarized and all that good stuff, we can literally submit that the very next day. And the court will review it and approve it. And you will be done with the court. It'll be approved. I should say pre-approved because it's still going to be six months before you're actually divorced. But you'll have your court order signed by the judge, completely done working with us, completely done dealing with the court. The only downside to that is, of course, you would have to pay another $435 fee to the court to file the response. I think that's one thing a lot of people are unaware of. When you file the response, it triggers another $435 fee. But if speed of divorce process is what you're looking for, that's how you would want to do it. And again, that's what we did this week. And that case is finalized. All right. So we're going to see what we have next here. Okay. So another case that came in is in regards to the initial summons and petition. And this is someone I was just working with today. So how you file summons and petition will dictate if your judgment can be approved. And what one of the issues that keeps coming up is, and not a lot, but enough to to have you have to start over and amend your petition. It's one of those, one of the worst things you can do that will have to amend your summons and petition. There's some mistakes you can make that will not make you have to amend your summons and petition, but this one is. Here it is. If you do not list the names on the summons and petition exactly the same, your, your divorce judgment will be rejected, and they're going to tell you you have to amend your petition. So how does this happen? In this particular case, they simply just didn't put the person's name, uh, the respondent's name, on the uh, summons at all. So obviously it doesn't match because there's no name there. But what normally happens is on the petition, they'll put uh, Tim Blankenship, and then on the, on the summons, they'll put Tim S. Blankenship or some other variation of the name. The names don't match the judgment gets rejected. So that's what happened in this case. So we do have to start over. Of course, that was only one reason the judgment got rejected. There's multiple reasons. Usually that's the case. So um, when that happens, you do have to amend your petition, um, summons and petition to correct that. And then yes, it has to be reserved. It doesn't start the entire six month clock all over, but it does reset the clock on when you can resubmit the judgment uh, based on the service date. Okay. Next thing we have is, so here was the question that came in. It says, me and my separate husband are both in agreement for divorce. We have printed online divorce forms once, and I tried to file the court clerk said paperwork is missing, and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So what I told this client was, 
you just be glad that the clerk actually said the paperwork's not wrong is not right. Usually they won't do that. How do these petitions get filed all the time that are incorrect uh, with mistakes? Because the clerk's job is not to review them. In fact, they're told by their managers, do not give legal advice. Do not tell them how to fill out the form. Even if you notice it wrong, just file it, take their money, and they'll have to figure it out later. This clerk at least said, hey, your paperwork is so wrong. It must have been really bad. So bad that they said, we're not, we can't accept your initial petition. There's so many things missing. I told her that's a good thing because it just would have messed you up down the road, judgment would have been rejected. And like half the cases we take, we have to amend the summons and petition and start over. Keep in mind, you do get one free amended uh, summons and petition without having to go to court. So, and I say this because we've had people start their own divorce, make a mistake, have to amend it, amend it, and then make a different mistake. And now the court will not allow you to make a second amended summons and petition without going to court because they're, they're thinking there's something wrong uh, you guys really need help. So don't make those mistakes either. Okay. Issues that we personally, me, are and am having with the different courts, specifically, well, not specifically in LA County, but definitely in LA County, we're seeing some uh, differences of how the courts are processing paperwork. And then certainly because we work with all the courts in California, we're certainly seeing differences in processing requirements and timelines and issues with the various courts throughout California. So most recently, you know, we have been doing this 10 plus years and most recently we've had the Chatsworth court start to act for filing fees that they normally didn't ask for in the past. So I'll give you an example and I'm really getting into the weeds and the details here, but this will probably help someone out there. If you file for divorce and you file the petition, you pay the $435 fee. We purposely do not have our our uh, the respondent file a response because it triggers that second filing fee, like I mentioned. We process it as a default with written agreement. Now, what happens when you want to make a change and file a stipulation to your divorce, meaning you want to modify something a year later or something like that? Well, that's not a problem. We file the because the petitioner paid their filing fee, we file the stipulation in the petitioner's name and it, there's a $20 filing fee for stipulations. What recently happened with Chatsworth this week is we filed a stipulation in this exact same situation and the court saying because the respondent signed the stipulation, they want to collect that other $435 fee because they didn't pay their first appearance fee because they didn't file a response in the divorce. I argued this to... The, the end of the earth with them for a week. I spoke with the supervisor in the courtroom. I spoke with the supervisor in the clerk's department and they even took it to their manager and they said that this has always been the case. And I say, how is that possible that now you want a $435 fee for a stipulation when for 10 years it's been $20? They couldn't give me an answer how that happened. So uh, it'll be interesting. I may just start filing all my cases in central. I'll tell you why. In L.A. County, at least, you have the option, regardless of where you live, to file in the downtown Stanley Moss courthouse. I will choose Stanley Moss downtown for a variety of reasons, one of them being if you are in a court that is problematic that we've seen over the years, like the clerks give us trouble, they're slow in processing, I will file it downtown. For instance, I no longer file in the Lancaster court. I will, If you live in the Antelope Valley area, I'm going to file your case downtown because they have their 
process wired, whereas Lancaster does not. They always have some weird loophole. Lost my signal here a bit, but to for certain courts again, Antelope Valley. I'm gonna try to remember which ones we do this for. Antelope Valley, then insurance, uh, any of those other branch courts, we will file in downtown uh, Stanley Moss Courthouse. If you live in the Chatsworth Courthouse, I was filing your case in Chatsworth, but because of what we have going on with these uh, weird court fee requests lately, I think I'm just gonna have every single client that's in LA County, file it downtown. It doesn't matter if I file your case downtown and you're nowhere near the court because you're never gonna go to court. We handle all the paperwork, we take your paperwork down, we file it all electronically, you're never gonna have to make an appearance. So it makes no difference if you're a client of where we file it, except for if it's one of these other courts and they give us problems, it's gonna be a delay in actually finalizing your divorce. All right, so let's take a look at the next question that came in. Oh, just, Continuing on with courts uh, making, you know, or having different processes, we had a very strange case, only in that the way the court was asking for us to prepare the judgment. So, again, half our clients come to us where they have started their divorce and then got to the judgment phase or somewhere prior to judgment and the judgment gets rejected. So, in this particular case, this was in the Fresno County Courthouse. And they wanted us, so what we normally do is we'll use the actual court form. So if you're doing your judgment, the courts have the forms for you. So you have the FL-180, the judgment face sheet, you have the property order, the spouse order. And we like to use those because they have all the language already built in. And you're basically just filling out the forms and not having to add any special language. Well, this Fresno uh, court clerk wanted us to draft a full marital settlement agreement, like the legalese um on official pleading paper. And their rationale was because when the petitioner filed their petition on their own, they said in the actual petition, like where the property disclosure part is, they said parties intend to complete a marital settlement agreement. Here's where the issue that a marital settlement agreement does not have to be a written narrative like that. The forms, the combination of the property order, the spouse support order, the custody order, the child, uh, child support, that totality of forms makes up the actual um, marital settlement agreement. It's just a different format, the forms versus a narrative. I explained that to the court. They don't like my answer. Of course, the court's always going to rule. They're the boss. So what did I have to do? I had to take the language from each of the forms and put it into a written narrative for them. It took several hours, not something we normally do, but that's what this particular court requested. And that's what we had to do. And we've never gone back to our clients to say, hey, wow, this really took us a lot longer than we thought to handle. Um, and it, it did. It took us probably six extra hours to get this judgment drafted in the way the court wanted. Um, but we did that for them. Don't ask for any, any extra money. Never have, never will. Um, and that finally got approved by the court. So if you're just joining us and you have questions about the divorce process, feel free to plug them in. And I'll, I'll try and check the comments box and get to uh, answering your questions. But what we're talking about is just issues we've had with people who have retained us this week and all the different things that they have come up with. Um, because if they're having these problems, you will have these problems. And we're having, uh, you know, obviously repeated problems. There's a lot of commonality with the issues people have getting their paperwork uh, and their divorce approved through the court. So let me see what the next uh, thing that came out. Okay, restoring your former maiden name. 
So this is just a bit of advice and someone and advice I give to everyone that we work with. Whether or not you want to restore your maiden name, you should probably ask for it either in the petition and in the judgment. Just because you ask for your name to be restored, your maiden name to be restored, and you have a court order from the court that says you can do that, it doesn't mean you have to go out and do it. Now, what I say it's good to do now is because if you want to change your name in 10, 15, 20 years, you have to file a additional name change paperwork with the court, and that could cost you an additional filing fee in doing so. So if, even if you don't want to make, uh, restore your maiden name, or maybe you think you never will because maybe you have minor children or you've been married 30 years, and you don't want to change it. You can always, if you think there's a 1% chance you may want to change it at some point, do it in the actual divorce case. Doesn't mean you have to do it. Okay, we talked about the summons and petition names must match and why that's important and how that will reject your judgment. Okay, here's my next bit. Uh, my next big pet peeve is these property declarations. When you file for divorce, you're talking about filing the petition, the FL 150. I'm sorry, the FL 100. There's a separate property section and a community property section. And it says, do you want to list your property in this little two inch box? Or do you want to attach these 160 property declarations? So what do people do? They attach the property declarations. Here's why this is going to cause you a problem and why it is causing people problems with your uh, judgment. Every time we get a client that hires us because their judgment being rejected because of how their petition it's not every time a big a lot of time it's because of they attach these property declarations so what happens is the property declarations are very specific you have to list when what what the item is a house a car um, a credit card uh, a vehicle whatever the case might be when you purchased it what the balance is what it's worth and what the equity division should be and who who you're assigning that to Lots of issues come up with this. One, you're putting community property on the separate property form, or you're putting separate property on the community property form, or you're listing the property on there and you're not putting all the information, like there's specifics. If it's a credit card, you need the last four digits of account, loans, bank accounts, et cetera, pensions. You need the account numbers. If it's a vehicle, year, make, model, license plate. So you're not doing that. You don't know to do that. And then when you go to submit your judgment, Let's say it's been you know three months, six months, or a year. We just talked to someone who their case is 10 years old. Obviously, that property no longer exists in many cases, but you still have to dispose of it because you've told the court, here's our community property, here's our separate property. So they'll try and turn in their judgment, and they will not address the, the assets and debts on the property, uh, property declarations that were attached to the petition, and their judgment will be rejected. And they'll say, Tim, can you help me? Yes. What do you have to do? We have to address what was in those property declarations, even if there's 10 years old and even if they no longer exist. So what we'll normally say is, you know, XYZ asset uh, listed on the, on the property declaration no longer exists. You have to address it one way or another. You can't just leave it out. And then sometimes you can't, the courts, depending on the clerk, they won't allow you to add any additional assets or debts, especially if it's a default without an agreement, you definitely can't add any additional assets and debts because you did not list it on the petition. So if you do that, that will also cause your judgment to be rejected. So my advice, and this is not legal advice, this is procedural advice, never attach the property declarations to your petition. We write something to the effect of parties intend to uh, reach a full agreement on all issues. You don't need to put assets and debts listed in there 
at all. But if you do, you have to address it in the judgment. The only time you should ever fill out the 160s, in my opinion, is when you know it's going to be a default without an agreement and you doing that, doing so as a last resort, because again, they are the most challenging type of cases to get through the court. But that's when you actually have to attach the 160s, the property declarations, is when there is, you know, no agreement and nothing's going to be signed by your spouse, no, nothing's going to be notarized, and there's no cooperation. Um, that's when you will have to attach those. All right. So next thing we're talking about, okay, I, I've harped on that quite a bit. The last thing I want to talk to you about, unless I have something else that comes to mind or someone asks a question, is taking your case to trial. So we only handle 100% amicable, cooperative divorce cases where the parties have a full agreement or will have a full agreement and are not intending to go to court or fight over anything. That's how we do it. All courts throughout California, we can assist you in doing that. Once in a while, and is why I ask in our consultations, are you and your spouse in agreement? And because if you're if you are not, we are going to ju be just as challenged as getting your case through the court because we can prepare your petition, we can set it up to be served, but as soon as you guys don't have an agreement, we are done. There's no, we don't we can't represent you. We don't go to court for you. I can file paperwork to get you into court, but that is not where, what we specialize in. So I'd prefer just not to take your money and work with you from the get go. I'd say spend that money on attorney if you know right out the gate you're not going to be in agreement. And that's usually what my recommendation is. But we've had we've had some clients that you know don't want to pay the attorney's fees or don't have the ability to, to pay the attorney's fees. So I'm going to tell you how to handle your divorce if you're not in agreement and you don't want to use an attorney. Here's what you do. File your petition, get your spouse served. If you're the respondent, file your response because you can't go to trial unless both parties have appeared in the case. So file your petition, file your response. Now you have um, you have both appeared in the case. And then every county has some type of trial setting request. It might be called by a different name, but essentially it's you saying we have, I think sometimes they call it an at issue memorandum in different counties, but for LA County, it's called a trial setting request. Doesn't mean you're asking for a trial, it just says you're asking for a setting. So what does that mean? What happens is you file this trial setting, you will get a, a court date in maybe 45, 60 days, depending on how busy they are. And I'm talking specifically about LA County now. And you'll appear at this hearing and the judge is going to say, okay, what's going on? Well, okay, I see you've done the mission. I see the response has been filed. Have you done your financial disclosures? Yes or no. And the judge is going to give you some direction based on your answers and based on what it is you disagree on, on what they want you to do. So let's say you guys are completely on in different fields uh, as far as an agreement related to, I don't know, custody. They would probably say to go see, you know, go set a mediation appointment, do the parenting class and have a mediation appointment and see if that can be addressed there. So they will give you direction. Doesn't mean you're automatically going to trial. It just means you're asking, you're saying, hey, judge, we are not in agreement. We, you know, what do we do? Judge is going to say, uh, what are your issues? Here's our issues. The custody, go to mediation. Property division, maybe try mediation. Different, like Orange County has really good in-house mediation. Um, uh, LA County, they're, they're trying to do anything these days to prevent you from having to go to an actual trial. So the court trial is a last resort. It's not, hey, I'm requesting a trial. Sure, here's your trial date. No, there's so many steps before you actually will ever see a judge and have a trial. And this is what that looks like. Trial setting request, as I mentioned, go to your trial setting, 
tell the judge what the issues are. They'll probably try mediation, try different things. That doesn't work. They're going to say, okay, come back for another trial setting hearing. Okay. Have you, what, what progress has there been? Well, we didn't come to an agreement in mediation. Um, okay. Next step. Have you done your preliminary declaration of disclosures? No. Okay. Do your disclosures and come back in 30 days or whatever timeline you come back. Okay. Have you guys reached an agreement? No. Okay. I see you guys have done your preliminary declaration of disclosures and there's no agreement. No. Okay. Now we're going to do some pretrial work, meaning do, do your discovery at, you know, do find, ask what you're going to ask. There's different discovery methods. This is not stuff we handle. Uh, there are other people that do what I do. They're happy to do that for you, but we don't handle any type of contested cases. Um, but yeah, you can, uh, you do your discovery. You would file, file paperwork asking for specific documents. You will eventually get a trial date, but it's not going to be right off the bat. They're going to make sure that the court has put you through every process to reach an agreement prior to trial. So, um, definitely recommend you guys work on agreement. You know, we have an interesting, uh, just kind of a side note. We have a case right now where we worked with the clients, uh, maybe a year ago, they reconciled, got together and dismissed the case. And now I guess about a year later, they are refiling. So, you know, again, just making sure you guys are in agreement. Yes. Okay. So let's get the process started again. Um, you know, when you just dismiss your case entirely, you have to start over with a brand new case, pay the fees again. And I usually try and dissuade clients who are thinking of reconciling to let them know you can just let the, the case sit there for a couple of years, leave it open in case you guys decide to, you know, finalize the divorce. You don't have to pay the fees again. Usually I am not listened to. So, um, and I get it. If you want to have, a, you know, truly being truly try and reconcile, um, you probably don't want to have an open divorce case kind of lingering over you. So I kind of get it. So anyway, started a new case, got the case filed. And then he says, Hey, Tim, my wife filed um, for divorce on the same day. And I said, well, it doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And here, you know, simple fix. So it turned out, so we filed the case um, in uh, central Stanley mosque uh, around 11 o'clock. And it turned out she, and we do everything um, electronically. So we submit it and usually in 15, 20 minutes, we have a case filed. She happened to do it either the same day or next day. So we had the lead case because the case was filed prior so I asked them to uh, upload a copy of the their petition because now we have two petitions for divorce and those cases now have to be combined. So that's easily done. We file a stipulation to consolidate the cases. Generally what will happen is the first case that's filed, we will consolidate the second petition, the later filed petition into the um, more the uh, first filed case. You guys sign it. There's a $20 filing fee for the for the stipulation, and it basically tells the court, okay, there's two petitions. These are now joined together, and the, the second filed petition will be treated as the response. Because if you look at the petition and you look at the response form, talking about the FL100 and FL100, they're basically the exact same thing as the respondent requests. So we would just... And the case is I draft the stipulation and the portal client case um, to communicate, have three way communications, so everyone's on the same page throughout the process. And the wife was not signing it. So I'm emailing, you know, following up, saying, hey, you just need to file this so we can combine the cases. And we're not getting any response. And the funny thing is, I can see that that she's logging in, but not taking any action. Then I guess I'm kind of telling a story here, not really relative to uh, helping you with anything. But 
Um, next thing you know, um, the husband says, hey, Tim, she's the sheriff is at my door trying to serve me. What should I do? I said, well, it's unnecessary because we're combining the cases, so th no service is required. Just accept it. It's no big deal to change anything. So he does. So now I'm thinking, why, if all this spouse had to do is sign the stipulation to um, consolidate the cases, and if they're not in agreement, which is obviously the case, she, this person's obviously playing games, um, which we don't, that's why I don't handle trial cases or people that are not amicable or cooperative because I have no tolerance or patience for people that are playing games. So I called her out and said, hey, you know, I see you logging in. You're not signing it. Now you're trying to have him personally served by the sheriff's department. You're obviously playing games. So, you know, we're done. So I told uh, now our client said, hey, she's obviously playing games. This would be so simple if she'd signed the, the consolidation form. And then there's the thing. She's going through all this probably to try and upset him, you know, and play games like I mentioned. If they want to fight it out, consolidate the cases. No one has to be served. I'm sure she took some joy in having him served. You know, people do that to be mean. But consolidate the cases, then set your case for trial doing this trial setting request form. That's all that needed to happen. And they can go have their fun in court and fight it out there. But I don't think we'll be able to end up obviously helping them unless she comes back around um, to reach an agreement. Because at the end of the day, I personally feel if you can be amicable you're with you and your spouse, and set a motion aside, you will reach a better agreement than some judge who doesn't know you, doesn't care about you, and in 10 minutes of trial is going to make a decision that will affect your lives forever. That's just my honest opinion. So I don't see any comments that have come in. We've got about 38 minutes or so, so I think we will sign off. Again, I'm going to try and do these uh, more and more at least once a week, maybe a Thursday 3 o'clock recap uh, going over these different topics. And again, if you're watching this on the replay, I will go back in to the video settings and I will uh, put the timestamps and I'll put in what we talked about at certain points in this. So you don't have to watch the whole thing. You can just search through the timestamps and look for something that may be of interest to you, the topic, etc. So this is Tim Blankenship, divorce661.com. I have some cool music for you that we're working with here and uh, we will see you next time. Uh, we are a full service legal document preparation firm in California, specializing only in amicable divorce. So anywhere in California, we can assist you. Reach out to us, 661-281-0266, or go to divorce661.com, and you can schedule a free consultation, whether or not you become a client or not. Um, I usually spend that time helping you the best I can to help you get your paperwork uh, through the courts. And also, you know someone going through divorce? Let them know that we do this free help. If you like our YouTube page, YouTube page. Our, like us on YouTube. That's, I'm still saying it wrong. Um, follow us on YouTube, whatever it is. Um, so you get notified when we are doing these live. I try and schedule them out at least a day in advance and you'll get notified so you can come in with your questions or just join us live and all that good stuff. So until next time, Tim Blaine, Civil Borsic X1. And this one's avoiding mistakes that these clients have made during the divorce process so you don't face the same problems. Talk to you soon.